Internets, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. We back at it. Let me tell you something. Shouts to everybody pouring in that love for the Jason Maiden episode last week. If you didn't listen to it, trust me, put it on your to-do list. Super gems. Super, you know, and, and another thing, and I think I explained this, and I think the audience gets it, but don't ever look at a name and be like, who's that? And I'll pass. Trust me. Listen to the message. Not just the messenger at times. Don't look for something to be so glittery gold for you to think it shines. It could be fake. You know what I mean? This Jason Maiden episode is really like, honestly, man, I, I, I want to take a time to shout out uh, New Zealand and Japan. Tokyo, Japan's on a check-in. I mean, just so many people around. I, I knew it, too. When we taped it and I listened back, I was like, damn, this guy's journey is inspiring. You know, to be able to, you know, his consistency and to never give up and almost dying and, you know, working in Jordan Brand, meeting Jordan and, you know, and just heading over to Silicon Valley and getting these investors. I mean, it's something that we should all, you know, want to learn from. And I think uh, when you surround yourself with people like that, man, you could get to learn more. But definitely shout out to JOSFM underscore, man. He said... Peace checking in from Tokyo, Japan. Jason Maiden podcast was dope. And uh, man, listen, shout out to Photo Rob on the check in. Even at Didn't You Know, Nick, he wrote the last episode of the Premium Pete Show with Jason Maiden really impacted my life. So many gems. Now I really want more out of my life. Shout out to Premium Pete for always setting a new bar every week. Shout out to Wear Testers for posting uh, the Jason Maiden episode. It's funny, I spoke to that dude, Noah, that's over there, and uh, he was like, yo, I need to, after I listened to that episode, I feel like I need to take a look at my life and do some, you know, do do more, you know, and, and listen, that's what dreams are about. People think, like, you do one or two things to get where you need to go. Man, you could do something to get where you need to go, and then you got to continue to do more things. It, it never stops, man. It never stops. Listen, I want to give a shout-out to, um, who else, um... Valerie, at Valerie, at V-A-L-E-Y-Q-U, which wrote excellent episode. Jason is an excellent orator and storyteller. Pete and Dallas barely interrupted him. I mean, listen, when you have good content, you don't need to interrupt anybody, man. Just sit back and chop it up, you know? I was just grabbing a glass of wine, a little bit of bijout and fresh mozzarella. Come on, you know what I do out here. But but it, listen, even like at Beats by Gus wrote, Dope, listen, Premium Pete, I never knew who Jason Maiden was until this episode empowering episode no matter what you do never give up never let someone tell you no come on come on and then the other one last one i'll go with donovan chris at donovan kiss premium Pete just finished the jason made episode from australia as an artist that also made something from nothing it was super inspiring i mean i could keep on going on man there's so many so many so much love for this episode again if you didn't listen to it put it on your to-do list okay you're a creative an entrepreneur, or somebody who wants to be a freelancer, an entrepreneur, somebody who wants to evolve, put that episode on your do list. Listen, Internet, I want to shout out. Last weekend, I was in Chicago. Shout out to Dick Sporting Goods. Shout out to my man Mark over at Cogent. Um, the, shout out to Dick Sporting Goods and the score by Dick for bringing me down. And and it was a dope activation. They had NBA Jam. They had a bunch of giveaways. Somebody won uh, the Jordan Retros for the for the whole year. Man, Bunch of different prizes that had Blitz. Who, who played Blitz Arcade? Come on, I'll play you, okay? Yeah, you better put your quarters up. But, I mean, look, NBA Jam, it was just a real dope event. I was really glad to be a part of it, and I want you to follow at the score at the score by Dicks. 
dope stuff they got coming. They're going to be doing some real dope stuff with Dick Sporting Good, redesigning and reinventing what they do over there with sneaker releases. So I look forward to checking that out. And plus, I look forward to doing more with them. And and listen, shout out to everybody who came out there. There was a couple of people that uh, pulled up on me that liked the podcast, man, that messed with the podcast. And I appreciate meeting y'all. Keep listening. I'll see y'all soon over there. Let me tell you something, man. You know what time it is. Whenever I tell you what time it is, you pull out your phone, or if you're on your laptop, head on over to Twitter and check the fuck in, okay? Shout me at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show. Let me know where you're from. Let me know what's going on. Like I said, you could always say, if you want to say, fuck you, Pete, or what's up, Pete, man, where can I find some good pizza? Or if you just want to say, like, yo, I'm checking out Goodfellas. I know you appreciate, you know I would appreciate that. Or if you want to just tell me what some good books are, okay? Whatever it is. At Premium Pete, at the Premium Pete Show, check in, man. Yo, so many check-in, man. Shouts, man. Shouts to everybody checking in. I told you, everybody, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, all the U.S. states, everywhere, man. I appreciate y'all, for real, though. Make sure you subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. We all over. Whatever streaming platforms you use, make sure you subscribe or follow. Rate, tell a friend to tell a friend. And please, do me a favor, leave a comment. Like, let me know what you think, man. I like looking at the comments. I'm not one of those dudes that say, I don't look at the comments. I like looking at the comments. So leave a comment. Let me know what you thought. And even if it's some constructive criticism, I don't give a fuck. I listen. I'm not a closed-minded, old, uh, you know, fuckhead, right? I'm not like that. Now, let me tell you something, man. If you know somebody that could be inspired by a certain episode like the Jason Maiden episode or whatever episodes we have, send that to them. That's why I always tell you to tell a friend to tell a friend. I want to continue raising the bar, man. Continue letting you know it doesn't stop. Continue bringing on different guests, different artists, different athletes, different entrepreneurs. So stay tuned for these next couple episodes coming out. We're going to really hit you with some different type stuff, keeping it diversified. And I'm going to make an announcement soon. We should be going back on tour very soon, coming to a city near you. Let me know where you want me to come or you want to have a premium peach show live in your city. Now, let me tell you something. On this week's episode, uh, I really enjoyed Longtime friend, super producer, Buck Wild. I mean, this guy, what I really liked about this episode, it, it, it really wasn't, it covered like his journey and how many songs he produced. I mean, legendary tracks, but more importantly, it covered the, the producing industry, the music industry. If you're an up-and-coming producer, if you're somebody that is a DJ, an artist, Whatever you are, this is an episode for you to really sit back and listen and learn. There's a lot of gems in here, plus there's a lot of history in here. I mean, Buck Wild, it's like he's like one of those like quiet dudes behind the scenes that has done so much for the industry and didn't care about the shout-outs or the likes or the retweets. But his story is inspiring, and I want you to hit him up and let him know that. So listen, Internets, as we continue to give you this work, as we continue to raise the bar, and has continued to in the remembrance of our brother Combat Jack, okay? That we will never forget him, and we'll never keep, we will never not keep shining the light on him, and letting him know that we love him, and letting him know that we are, you know, uh, children, and 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 we have definitely, um, you know, he was a trailblazer, and he birthed a lot of podcasts, and we have to make sure that we continue to let people know that we're thankful for him and thankful for that. Internet, let me tell you something. Okay, this episode with Buck Wild is a dope one. Now let's get to it. I present to you 
the Premium Pete Show episode with my guy, producer extraordinaire, Buck Wild. Cheer. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want to scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internets, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with a longtime friend of mine. I mean, I got to say, we can't. sometimes you put the word legendary and, you know, we just throw that shit around. But I'm going to say legendary producer um, and more so a friend of mine, Buck Wild. Now, listen, Internet, this is not star and Buck Wild. Do not fucking confuse that. A lot of people sometimes say when I say Buck Wild, I say star and Buck Wild. Nah, Buck Wild, the producer, the DJ, D-I-T-C, digging in the motherfucking crates. But more importantly, Buck, not only welcome to the show. <laughs> Not only welcome to the show. How the fuck did you come up with Buckwild? Um, this is probably pre the term, um, before the term was phrased. Like, um, my boy used to tell me that shit. Like, cause I was always calm, and it's like everybody was, you know, always from my neighborhood on some real rowdy shit, you know. And um, he's one of them dudes. He's the he's the he's always coming some new slang. He's like, yo, that's you. It's like, yo, you just be on some buck wild shit. You be on some buck wild shit. Like, nigga, that ain't me. It's mm-hmm. like, nah, because you just on some calm shit. Like, nothing never really phases you, mm. you know? And I just took it and was like, yo, you know what? Being a DJ, I always needed a name. So I was like, yo, fuck it. You know, I can use that because it's like, you know, it kind of, it sticks. It's like, and it was nothing else really out then. And it's like, besides, like, I think Terminator X, he had that record, Terminator mm. X, Buck Wilding. Now, you would say you first got your start in the business when? You would say 1990? Like 91, 92, something like that. Just DJing. Okay. But it wasn't really officially in a business. It was just like, like a making, hobby? making mixtapes okay. for the block. I always DJed in, in the where'd hood. Where'd you grow up? Cypress Avenue in the Bronx. Okay. BX. BX. Stand up. No doubt. Um... And, you know, it went from there. It's like, I, I made, I really started making mixtapes. I used to, I probably was one of the biggest Kid Capri fans. I bought every mixtape he bought, he made from Rock and Will and J.J. Variety on mm-hmm. 125th. And then when his tape started slowing down, it's like I always had that thirst for the new music that nobody really had because it's like, to me, he was one of the truest DJs, you know, putting you up on music, not just on what's the new record just out that, you know, everyone's playing. He always introduced new records to the people. Do you remember the first time you met Kid Capri? Shit. The first time I met Kid Capri, like, I can remember just him and embracement, and it's like I met him through finessing him. Shouts to Will Finesse. No. That's another almost, almost, almost everybody I met, I met through finesse. I always tell him, like, yo, you know, um, meeting you was like, the. it, it took my life left because it's like I could have stayed in the hood with the people from in my the hood. Yeah. And it could have been... You know, we never, growing up, we never know what was expected. You know, we thought by the time we were 17, 18, we would die. When you say that about finesse, why, I mean, why, was it, was it he was personable? Was he popular? Like, why do you feel like, when you say you met everyone through finesse, that leads, leads me to believe, like, yo, finesse was a shaker, like, moving and shaking out here. Um, finesse, is, it's like the same demeanor. Like, finesse is like one of the coolest dudes. Once, if he embraces you, like, he took me everywhere. 
And it's like, I mean, like everywhere between like me, him, Big L, and my man Easy LP. Mm, you mm. know, rest in peace, Big L. You know, we had like our own little, our own little clique within our clique. And you know, I met Biggie through him when before Biggie was really Biggie. Um, working with G Rap and I'm, I met them through finesse. It's like I met a lot of people through him, where it's like they embraced me because of the love they had for him. You know, maybe maybe it's different the way I grew up. And, uh, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, I think we're almost about the same age. But um, when I was growing up, and obviously, I, you know, I wasn't doing DJing or producing or anything like that. But it was hard to find people that, you know, wanted to see you win. Like, even in my neighborhood, like, there was, like, you know, always snakes. That's true. That's everywhere. So how, why, I don't want to say how. I mean, why Why would Finesse look out for you? Like, meaning, like, like. Cause, cause that's not like back then. You know, it, it's not fucking normal to do that. He he wants to. That's a, that's when you look at it like the same way how we connect. It's like who you are is this in in your DNA, regardless. And to me, it's like I've been the same type of person with people. It's like I like to see people win. Mm. I like to put people together so you know they can do their thing because it's like just to see people or friends of mine just doing something. It's a proud moment, you know. And um. You know, when you become cool with people, it's like, and you're confident within yourself, the confidence in who you are, it exhumes and it's like, it shows like, oh, you know, you you can do this. All right, let me plug you with this person. Oh, this person wants to get in touch with you. Hey, is it all right if I give him your number? He wants to do business. Everyone isn't like that, especially in New York. We grow up, it's a lot of people where it's like, they have the let me get my feet wet syndrome. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, cool. Um, let me get to a certain plateau and when I'm way above where you're at, whatever, you know, then I could probably throw a line. But, he, you know, he was who he was. He was, like, the dopest, not was, but he's, like, one of the dopest lyricists in New York. And sure, it's like he sure. was tight with everyone. But he never was, if you if you rock with him, like, yo, just who he is as a person, it's like I say it's, it's all just love. And it's like nothing can really describe that even for L. Like, he, he put L on. Mm. Like L was just a kid who was rapping, you know, met in hard pack. And it's like he took L and it's like L got a deal in Columbia and he didn't sign a finesse. Sure. You said when you said when you were in the studio with L, because uh, before we uh, started the episode, you know, uh, we were do- checking our mics, check one, two, check one, two. <laughs> and I was like, yo, Buck, did you, you ever spit any bars? And, and you're like, nah. But one time you said Big L told you you should spit. Yeah, he, he, you should spit. Why do you say that? I don't know. L is a L. One he was he was one of those artists who's a visionary. Maybe he's seen like a lot of cats who produced it. Like even now, it's like you know, being a rapper. Let's just say this: and in the nineties, being a rapper, you had to be the best of what you do. So it's like if I couldn't rap like Lord Finesse, you know, Ag, Big L, Coogee Rap, Rakim, then it's like after that, you had the cats like Jadakiss and Biggie, etc. How could I do that? It's like, if I can't be on a level, I was like, yeah, I can't do that. But now when you fast forward and it's like you see, you know, I won't put nobody on blast, but I'm like, yo, you know, damn, if it was that simple, I, I maybe I could have did that, you know? But it's like I say, him, he's a visionary because he's like, yo, you make beats, you make dope beats. Imagine if you could rap on your beats. Mm. Then he was like, yo, if you want to do it, I'll write it for you. <laughs> Ghostwriter. <laughs> Ghostwriter, right? Yeah. But say, and even the pride back then, like, nah, you know. Like I look like rapping, you know the shit you wrote, but that goes to show you even for him, like the type of person, you know. Our crew is like motivational. It's like everyone pushes each other to make sure everybody could be all right. You know, you make a great point. Back in the nineties, if you weren't 
and you didn't come correct. Motherfuckers might get the motherfuck out of here. <laughs> Think about it. Like you had to make sure motherfuckers must have practiced in front of a mirror a thousand times. Because if they didn't come correct, motherfuckers would get them all the way out of here. How do how do we because you have transcended. I mean done mixtapes with uh, uh um um well we don't call them mixtape projects. Yeah. With uh, uh Mayhem Loren. Yeah. Who else have you, you self titled self titled, yeah. I got a few in the can now, but looking at it, the one thing I understand is um through the internet, it let the floodgates in. Before, you had to be a made person. You had to probably intern under a certain artist or whatever and develop your skills. And it's like, if you was really great, you know, people knew who you are before you even hit the records. Sure. So now it's like, you know, you have to put out a, you know, put out a million records. It's not about your, it's not really about your skills no more. It's probably more or less about your style. And it's like how, you know, your wave or whatever. But, you know, it's a different time. And it's like our time has passed because we lived in a time where it's like it's not pre-recorded. There's no pictures or Snapchat of when we came up. So it's like people want to hear all of our stories no matter who you are. If you came up in that time, people want to know. Sure. So looking at these things, it's like you don't you, you don't have to worry about getting signed to a Columbia or or, you know, an Interscope, or, you know, you could just put your music out. And it's like being at the internet, it's just like you could connect with maybe a how many billion people, you could get a million fans. And it's sure. like, that's all cool. And it's like, that heyday of going, uh, that heyday of being that super lyrical, super gifted artist is gone. Mm. You know? It's cool with some good artists now, but, you know, people think like, oh, you know, well, how would this person fare if, you know, if you came up after Biggie and after Nas and Jay-Z, those are really tough shoes to fill, you know? So when you look at it, after that, it's like if I was rapping, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, you know, well, I got to be as good as these dudes. I'm going to be like, yo, I'm going to just have fun and turn up. Sure, and, be, and, and, <laughs> and, be the be, and to be the best you can be. Yeah. You know, uh, first off, okay, we're going to go back to know why you became a DJ and, and, and who your inspirations are. We'll get right back to it. For now, as a producer... Okay, because goddamn man, you did a lot and things. I think honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you, and this is with all due respect. I feel like you're one of the most underrated producers because you have done so many fucking songs that people may not even know. You know what I'm saying? That that's you. Do you believe that or no? Am I, am well, I I won't say underrated. The one thing that I that, you know I had to realize for myself is um, every other producer who's a producer is on the cover of a record. Mm. Timberland, Pharrell, even Just Blaze, he he has his tag. Then it's like when you go with the Manny Freshes, Dr. Dre, DJ Premier, Pete Rock, Q-Tip, Large Professor, Lord Finesse, Diamond D. I'm one of the people where it's like, and I've got records that stood like what I call like statues. Mm. Like, you know, it's, it stands the test of time. It's like, you know, even kids are discovering it these days, an underground record that can have you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 million views on YouTube. Um, to have that is like, it's, I won't say an anomaly, but it's like, it's different because I'm not one of the people who were in the group or sure. who were, you know, Pete Rock and CL Small. Who do you think is the first person to, um, you know, like, was Just Blaze the first person to tag himself? Maybe or him or Alchemist, I don't know. And did, what, did, what did you think of that? I got a time. What do you think about it now? Like, do you think it's something that maybe you could have done? It wasn't my style. I'm I'm cool with who I am. I'm cool. I'm cool with walking into the studio and sometimes people really kind of <clears throat> sleeping. And I'm like, okay, 
let me just play you some records I've done. And then it's like I'll play maybe five to ten records and they'll lose their mind and be like, well, I didn't know you did that. Maybe that's just me. It's, it's, it's for my personality. I, I was always a low person anyway because, like, when you come up, it's like, uh, it's not really like, okay, you got to be out there. You got to make yourself known and you want to know everybody. I know a lot of people, but I never really sought after know people. That's why I think the people I know who I can consider friends are quality friends. Mm. And it's quality people because it's like, I didn't want to meet them for who they were. It's like, I met them and vibe with them, and it's like, and I seen who they were as people, and it's like it went from there. You know, I've heard you say uh, that uh, production is about how you guide the artist, not only on how many beats you have that are really, really dope. That is true. How many people? Okay, first of all, you've worked with Nas. What's rundown? You worked with Nas. You worked with Biggie. Worked with Mob Deep, right? No, I worked with. I didn't. A matter of fact, I did, but the records never came out. Okay. Um, I work with early two chains. I work with Jada. I work with Styles. I well separately the Locks, um, Game Fifty, Puff, Jay Z, Big, um, OC. What? It's 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 been countless. Like the prob, if you ask me, it's like I probably work with everybody from my time, maybe except for Eminem. Mm, mm. You know, so what did you do with Jay? Um, Lucky Me. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know. Every day I'm living with stress. Got about the streets. You think a nigga could rest? Can even enjoy myself at a party unless I'm on the dance floor. Hi, that's bad. Me and Stevie J did Lucky Me. And even now, like, that was one of Wayne's favorite records. It's been a lot of people's favorite records. And that's the one thing that I see that I've had, you know. And it's a dope feeling, you know, without having to be like, yo, you know, well, you could tell. You'll, I think the one thing that comes from tagging beats is you like the beat before it even comes on because of who it is. Because mm. even if I hear Alchemist beat, I'm like, oh, this is Al shit. Oh, this is tough. Mm. So it's a it's a gift and a curse. I don't, I don't want to lose uh, that question I was asking you. And, you know, it's about like, you know, um, guiding an artist, like you said. How many people have allowed you to guide them? Meaning because sometimes... I'm sure you had some issues where people don't want to hear your advice. Well, I could talk about the people who who want advice, sure. like Jay Z, Big, Nas, Kiss, um, Game. I felt that all that the best artists that I work with, where the records came out the way it, it, it needed to, were the ones who allowed. Like even the first records I did were with like OC, and even doing Times Up. It's like we classic we, doing that album. was like even in the time. Like, being in the studio every day, that was my boot camp of production. Like, O was making records before me. But it's like, coming in the game, I had to quickly adapt. And it's like, I learned a lot from him, and I learned a lot from Diamond. I learned a lot from Finesse. That taught me how to produce and how to make artists move and what they need to do and to voice what I like, what I don't like, how, what they should do, how, what they shouldn't do. And um, I think for every producer, even the producers of the day, they need that, like... I can remember being in the studio with Joe when we worked on the Terror Squad album and um, we did Rude Boy Salute. And, um, you know, pun vocals, it wasn't right. It wasn't sitting right. I wasn't feeling it. And he's like, yo, you know, pun wanted it like that. And I'm like, yo, it's not sounding right. So me and Super Engineer Doro is like, yo, we need to get him to come down. He came down 2 o'clock in the morning and recut the vocals the way we liked it. Who, pun? Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's that's why I said heavy pun. What, what, yeah, what? heavy. It's always heavy pun, you know. Well, I mean, but he was it was one, yeah. It was out of respect. Like pun was, first of all, like even as a a person, 
he was one of the greatest dudes. But even the respect of a person to come down 2 o'clock in the morning, him and Liza, Booby, and a couple other people came down 2 o'clock in the morning, Battery Studios, recut the vocals, dapped up, and left. Mm. Man, Pun, uh, Pun was forever be legendary. Forever. I mean, it's, it's you know, your relationship with him was good. I mean, obviously, was if, he's coming, if he's coming at that late <laughs> well, night. It, well, it, it, it was good enough where it's like Liza used to be calling me 8 o'clock in the morning like, yo, Pun wants to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts to Liza, man. You know, She's, very she, good people, huh? Yeah. Chris, yep, you know, yep. Whispers, you know, Star. the whole family. Yeah. You know, like for them, it's like I can remember them when they was when they was like, yay, ha. That's how, you know, like to us, Pun's house was like the one house on the block where everybody was at. I'm pretty sure Just told you when he got his equipment, he got yeah. it from Pun. Yeah. He went there and everybody was there. Yeah. That was Pun. It's like if you with him, it's like it's every everyone's over. It's like, yo, what you doing? Yo, come over. Mm. Yo, I just came from tour. What you doing? Come over. It's like a family. Friends become family. Yeah, man. it's like that's what it is. It's it's not blood makes you related, but what you go through makes you family. You know, it's funny because when I think of all the fucking beats you made, it's like insane, man. It really is. I actually probably want to play uh, maybe for some listeners who may not know of Buck Wild's work, man. If you hear it, uh, then you'll know. If you if you don't know, man, then you'll be like, oh shit, that shit is fire. So I'm gonna take a fucking when we announce some of these, man. We may play like a, a one two second clip it, okay. <laughs> to me, one of the most legendary hip hop beats, Whoa by Black Rock. I had this bad chick of town, she was had me messed up in the head, I mean. Let me ask you something. How did how did how did that even go down? Um uh, well, first of all, they was just looking for a single for him. Mm. And it's like I come in being and they're playing beats, I forgot who was there and um almost left out. And I remember his, mean? like, you know, we in there, it's like everyone's playing beats, like, I guess it's like a pre-screening, so they could see what they want to play for Rob, and I guess when I was there, I know it was Shaq, who was Rob's manager at the time, and somebody else, they heard the beat, they was like, yo, rewind that back, nah, you gotta leave that one, if you don't leave nothing else, just leave that. And I got a call a day later, like, yo, that's the song that we gonna do, you know? And that's one of the, I could say that's one of the songs even, um being at a vocal, but when they came up with the concept, I think it was him and Porter Rock, mm, you mm. know? But the one thing I could say about that record, and it's like, I didn't get it now. It's such a legendary time because it's like, during that time, Swiss ran everything. Mm. Swiss and Manny Fresh was the whole sound out. Sure. Nobody had no hits or nothing out besides those two. And um, being able to sneak a record in, I snuck a record in, and I remember Farrell snuck a record in, which was Simon Says. Yep, yep, yep. Probably the only two New York records to come out around that time that wasn't Swiss. You know, when you think about how big that that record became, like it 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 grew legs of its own, it grew wings of its own. I mean, you know, did did that make you like say like, man, I got to challenge myself now? Did you realize how big that was that record? Um, I never noticed it, realized it until like later. Mm. I ne- like for me every record I've done has always been after I record it and mix it I close the chapter and act like it doesn't exist mm. even with big record like I got a story to tell close it act like it never existed I kick flows for you kick down doors for you even left all my motherfucking holes for you niggas think Frankie pussy whip nigga picture that with the Kodak it's the Mac Tack we don't get down like that how the fuck did you come up with that and was big in the studio for that 
We was in the studio. Big wrote the song. It's like I can remember. Um, on what? What did he write it on? Uh, a notepad, composition Big don't, book. He don't write songs. Pencil? Was it a number two pencil? It's up here. Really? Yeah. Big was special, man. And it's like I don't think that people really like you can't appreciate it until it's gone. And it's like that's why all the older cats be like, "Yo, Biggie, Big was that dude, Big, Big, Big," because he was so special that. You know, even taking back the first time, the first time I, I worked with Big was um, with, on the record with Red Hot Love Atone for my niggas. Mm. And um, just his flow and how he put it together, just going in the booth and just saying a couple of words and then real, you know, rewind the real, then recording the next two, three bars and then keep Did the, he know what he was doing or he looked he, for advice? He, know, he knows what he's doing, but he looks for guidance when he's mm. cutting vocals. Big is always going to be the dude to be like, he wants to make sure, well, he was. My rhyme needs to be the best rhyme ever. And it's, and if it's not the best, you need to tell me. Let me ask you, do you think that Big knew that he was ahead of his time? Or do you think that he was just living in the moment? I'm going to tell you, honestly, in the 90s, I think we all were just living in the moment. Big knew he was special. He felt he was the best. In the 90s, everybody felt they had to be the best. And even though he had all of these party records... He also still wanted to be respected as, yo, I'm the greatest MC. And he felt that. He felt like after he completed his last album, like, yo, he's the greatest. Like, nobody can fuck with me. And it's like, that's something that I don't think is really taken today, where it's like, cats, the only, only person I've heard say that is Kendrick. I don't hear another, no other MC rapper like, yo, you know, I'm the greatest. If you get on a record with me, I'm going to smash you. That's what made those records special because it's like everyone got on and gave it their all. Yo, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the 90s, I feel like... In 2000s. Okay. It ended, in the okay, yes, it ended yes. about 2004, okay. 2005. In the 90s, up till then, people who were, were, were you know, hip-hop in general, most people, not saying all, were like looking like, yo, if they could rap and get out of these streets... Like, you know, like, like even me back then, like, hustling and believing, like, there was a better way. Who, like, I'm sure you saw that from a lot of rappers. Like, you know, we street dudes. We from the, we, you know, from the hood. But if this rap shit could take us out, then then let it take us out. But do, do, do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, but who was thinking like it was a business at that time? Oh, Puffy. It, Puffy and Jay-Z. Jay-Z seen it way ahead of time. So he didn't just see it as, like... A momentary thing. I'm sure you heard people that were once, hustling. I, I think once Jay went platinum, not even platinum, probably when he was doing um, volume one, I think Jay always had a vision that no one else seen. Because it's like he would, Jay is a, he's a different type of individual. Because at that time you had to think, even though, and that's late 90s, early 2004, 2005, this is not like super early in the game. The game is even earlier. But I'm saying most people thought hip hop was a fad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 I remember people like an artist and just like Brooklyn Queen people who were like yo get this rap shit get you know get myself out of the fucking game meaning like of pushing and hustling and and really just go straight so to speak yeah but you've seen it when you had like Kane and them going gold and Rock him and them and it's like you couldn't just put your records out but like I think seeing what Jay and them did was incredible because they had their own office they had everything themselves which was a business. Mm. Like, and people, they're not doing that nowadays. Like, there will never be another 
company closer to maybe Rockefeller and then Rough Riders. Rough Riders was another one. Speaking of Rockefeller, did weren't you working there early on uh, producing beats and um and right before Dame came to me for management when we was doing Beanie's first album. Mm-hmm. Beanie and Bleak, those are the first placements besides Jay. They came and said, like, he was like, yo, I'll give you a year if you don't like it. What do you mean, to make beats? No, a, a year under management. Okay, okay. I'll give you a year if you don't like it, if it's not going the way you like and you know, we'll dissolve it. So a year came, and it's like I still found myself pushing more beats than anything. And I left prematurely. I could say that. What do that. you mean when you say that? Prematurely means I left right before they did um, Dynasty mm. because the only albums that I stayed on the contract with was Dynasty, not um, was Bleak album mm-hmm. and um, Beanie album, the first album, right? album. And you know I'm still out hustling tracks and pushing records, and I I never looked at it as a business of what it could have been. Like yo, I got Dame. If I walk into this office, he could turn a million into ten. Sure, I didn't see that. Do you do, do do you ever kick yourself in the ass for that or nah never everything's evolution because it's like to look at it how I'm do you st- get through that yo buck not to even cut you <laughs> off but honestly forget about hip hop for a second in general still to this day sometimes and I'm learning like just in life to not beat myself up over things that like like damn I shouldn't have blew that money or damn I should have handled that situation better and I know we can't go back and we need to look you forward you can't change it but, but it's a try, learning curve but people do beat themselves up. And that's when they get stuck where they at. Mm. But when you look, it's like sometimes I look at it and it's like, I believe in the universe. Maybe it wasn't destined for me to do that. You know, that wasn't my destiny. So when you look at it, that was Kanye and just destiny. Because even being there, also shopping beats, Alchemist was there. I seen Alchemist there almost every day. Mm. So when you look at it, it wasn't for us. That was more for them two. So I've learned to accept those things a long time ago. And I was like, yo, you know what? You move on because it's always something else around the corner. And when you put yourself in that position, like what we do, it's always something new. Like I remember speaking, we spoke on something before. He's like, yo, you know what? That's past. I got something else I'm working on. I'm going to work on some things. And I think that attitude makes makes you a better person. I think it it helps you grow and helps you evolve. You know, we can't get away from the fact you're in the studio with Biggie. You're making I Got a Story to Tell. Legendary. Especially all the fucking drama that they try to get out of fucking people figuring out what Nick's play that was, you know? Is, is, was Fat Joe right when he mentioned that? I don't know. I never asked Big. The only person I think that might know that I probably could ask is Season. I didn't really care, you yeah. know, because it's like I never was with the Pasa Pasa, who did what and who whatever, whatever. I didn't give a fuck. That's like he, she, he say, she say. Like, you know, I talk to Season all the time. I never asked him, like, yo, is this a real story? You know, who's this about? I'm pretty sure it's somebody, but sure, sure. who it is, I can't say. I never heard Big say, like, yo, this is Anthony Mason. Yeah, so yeah, sure. I can't take it for that. That's hearsay. I don't know who told whoever, but... Sure. Um, rest in peace, Anthony Rest Mason. in peace, Anthony Mason. Rest in peace, Big. So for that, that's what another reason why I was like, I didn't really care because I'm like, yo, both these guys are dead, so why tarnish someone's legacy? Exactly. It, I tell you, it's still, that song is forever legendary. Um, I want you to paint the little... We're going to go to break soon. I want you to paint this... Before we go to break, I want you to paint the picture a little bit more. Where, where were you? What studio were you at? Making I Got a Story to Tell. Daddy's house. Okay. Like, Big cut the vocals. By the time I came in, vocals was basically kind of done because this was after... He heard the beat? Yeah, he had the beat. No, he, I'm saying... When, when he, first, okay. he since sees... Like, he called me. He's like, all right, yo, I'm home. I can't go nowhere. 
I need some beats. He's like, yo, I'm going to send C's. C's to meet you by the bridge. C's crashed big car, which, you know, yep, probably, yep, yep. you know, everyone knows that story. And I remember just meeting C's somewhere by the G-Dub where it's like, where it's like you turn off or something. Gave him the beats. We talked for a little while. What'd you give him the beats while. on? Uh, cassette. A cassette? Cassette. This is 1996. Shit, motherfucker. Not a dat. A cassette. TDK. A, what were we messing with? <laughs> Probably TDK. What was that, Max? What was the other one, Max? Max L, Max TDK. L? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, I gave him the tape. You know, Big called me back in a few days. Like, yo, I... Did he like it? He loved a few of them, but it was one I had that Jada had liked for the locks, and I think that's the one he liked first. So I was like, you know, I was like, damn. You know, that's kind of ill. They both like the same beat. I, I would love to be on both albums, even though neither one of them used that used the record... Joe ended up using the record and come out, but that's a whole nother story. So, you know, time go on, maybe a week or two, and I remember leaving my daughter mom's house. You know, same thing. Sometimes we go through um, life shit, and it's like sure, I'm leaving sure. the house. I'm not in the best mood. Sure. As soon as I walk out the house, I get a page, and it's 7570808. Everybody know that's daddy's house. Mm. Yo, big need you to come and... Um, Come track this beat out. All right, so I come down. Big's not there, though. All right, cool. Let me track out the beat. Whatever. I track the beat. Um, all right, come down. Like a week or two later, come down. It's like, you know, you got to mix your record. So we coming in. It's like most of the vocals is done. Big is doing the end part of record where he's talking. You know, where it's like, I think it's him and I think it's D-Rock and him. I forgot everybody who was in the booth. And he's doing that part. Don't you about that the girl wants him to shit on her? Yeah. No, not that part. It's like, yo, you know, two words, yo, you know, I'm gone. It's like he's t- he's yeah, yeah, he's yeah. doing the um the summary of of the rap that he just did, which like he's just talking to his dudes. So in the studio, it's like it's me, finesse, it's Easy LP, it's um, and this is a crazy session too because it's a lot of things that happen that day. Me, finesse, Easy LP, Biggie, Foxy Brown. Um, all the Biggie's people, C's, Puff is. Uh, so it's a packed fucking house when yeah. Biggie's doing a song and. You know, like I said, he had just finished tightening his vocals. Like, it was at the end when I came in. Um, and I remember Foxy coming in. She's like, yo, she told Big. She's like, yo, Big, this is like the hottest record on your album. And Tone from Trackmasters had picked that beat for Foxy, but, you know, it wasn't for her. And she's like, she told Tone, I didn't really like the beat. So Big ended up picking it. And long story short, even from that, man, it's like just the energy in the room. And it's like, just this is like just like a whole party vibe in there and it's like the energy is just yo it's like indescribable so much going on so many moving parts in the room you know you it's like it's hard to even pinpoint like even what is really going on without taking focus of what big is doing what he wants and what he's expecting from you you know i mean when he so at that point did he spit over that record right there while everybody was in there yeah he was finishing up and 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 but, I know I know they keep on looping and playing pause over and over again, right? When you when when they're tracking it out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, did was Diddy there? Puff is in and out of the studio. Okay, is it true that Puff? I know when Puff feels like he got, he always plays that blast that shit and, and and wants to play it loud as a motherfucker. Did he did he blast that shit and want to hear it continuously? Oh, everything that came through the studio was like when he feel like that. But you got to remember, Puff like people don't think Puff is. 
a producer or whatever, but it's like he has the ideas on how to take the records to the next level. He hears things that another person won't hear without touching a drum machine, a guitar, whatever, whatever. And he knows what it is when he hear it. And it's like when he feels in that party vibe, and it's like he is going to turn that up and rump it. You know, you would say you started producing well, DJing when? Like 91, 92. Okay. So well, I was DJing before then. Okay. But through high school, it's like I kind of left that shit alone, gave it a break. And then after getting out of high school, you know, like I say, the mixtape era when Capri was doing tapes. Sure. Then he slowed down. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Okay. And, and you would say you started producing when? 93. Okay. The, you know, what would you say is, because, and, and the question here is, is, is learning how far your beats come. Meaning, like, I remember telling, like, even like Static Selector, you know, talking about he was selling his beats for, uh, you know, two hundred dollars, and then you know, moving up to, you know, uh, um, five figures. I know what figures, those times is. Know? I know what those times is like. You know how tough? Like, what was the the, the cheapest you ever sold the beat? Was when I first started, hours? nah, like fifteen hundred. Okay, fifteen hundred. <laughs> Twenty five hundred. Did you ever? Like, okay, so here's the thing: people could get stuck in like, yo, like. You could undervalue what you're doing because the prices are are so small. Did you foresee that you could get more? Like, what's the? Well, I don't want to get in your pocket, but what's the most? The the point I'm making is I hit a good mid five figures. Okay, and you know sometimes you'll do it. You'll do lookouts for people, but you got to remember it's a business. But um, you you can't pigeonhole yourself right now because it's like. If you got your own brand, it's like you could remember, like, look, I don't need to chase these guys. I could pick up and record. You ever so, get discouraged at that time when you were, you know, making, you know, you were making money, you were doing what you love, but. You just thought, so I had a time with like, and I remember Pharrell said this when we was working with Babyface. He said, yo, sometimes everybody don't need to be on your beats. Mm. He said he went through the same thing. Like, it's a time when the money is coming, you're like, all right, I'm going to do this. That's like somebody coming to you with at least 20 racks every few days, and you're like, okay, I'll take that and give you what you want. All right, I'll take that. And it's like, but you're not really looking to be like, yo, do I really want to do this? Sure. Or, is, you know, is this the best that I could do? I think everyone's been through that. But um, but 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 how did you know how to get paid? Okay, so you get 1500 to be, you get 5000 That was the going rate. No, no, but okay, that was going rate, and you learned that. But how did you know to... to get your publishing in order. I think we spoke about this a, a, a while ago. Oh, like, I, how did you I know? learned from my peoples. It's like they was in the industry already. Um, Finesse, Show, Diamond, AG, OC. And, and, you know, back when everyone gives you, and it's like I carry this tradition on. It's like if I'm cool with people, I give them jewels. Sometimes I talk to young dudes and give them jewels anyway because it's like, yo, I don't want to see somebody get raped for something, you know, that where it's like, okay, damn, you know what? I didn't get no publishing on this record, and this record sold like five million records, mm, mm. and it was the number one record on Billboard for X amount of time. You know, it's a sad story because you look to me. I look at it like, damn, what if that was me? Mm. I wouldn't want to be that person. So sure, let me tell sure. him what he needs to know. Who knows if that good. person has a family? Who knows? And I mean, you got to do your homework, but you know, it, 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 it pay it forward. Sometimes come back tenfold, man. That's life lesson. And you know, it's like what you and you know what's ill though? That makes you sleep good at night. Sure. You get sure. the best sleep of your life when you when you But ain't nothing wrong with sleeping good, <laughs> but ain't nothing wrong with listen, let me ask you something. What you know, now with publishing sense, what's what what uh, track was the most money you ever made? Um shit, that's a tough question because I've been fifty albums sold, five mil, 
um biggie's album sold 10 mil game sold for it's hard to say because it's like i would have to look at documents and see what's what well, i'm everything... sure you know one song that has been a kicker for you you know what i mean like that like was the best it's hard know? it's hard to tell when you're in a publishing deal everything comes along one check mm-hmm. it's ASCAP. not like you can see not ASCAP. just like for me it's universal and it's like so you don't get no abscap pub- yeah uh, okay but it's like like i say it's hard to look and generalize like most of the time you're not gonna look and be like yo let me see which one is the most because looking at even for like L, I could say a record like L, put it on. As many streams and everything that this shit gets, it's like it's been consistent over the past like 20 years. So you can't say, yo, this one made the most or that one made the most. Having a great catalog is it because it's like worldwide for good hip hop and good music. It gets streamed and played through, you know, internet radio, serious radio, videos. It's so many money streams, movies. It's like I've Times Up was in um, Eight Mile. Really, Eight Mile stays on consistently. Sure, sure, sure. So it's hard to gauge what record is. So, like. so when you get a check from Mapscat and stuff like that, you don't even know what's coming in. Sometimes you can't like. Could you balance that book? Like, could you? You know what I mean? Can someone mm. for someone home who doesn't know, like listening now or on the uh, you know on the move wherever they are listening? The mess. The most. The best thing I could say is check and see what's registered and what's not. Because once it's registered, it's that's automatic. They collect everything. ASCAP collects everything. If you got mm. universal So you gotta register yourself. Yeah, you gotta make sure your songs are registered. You mm. do a song, register it, get the splits. How, make... how did you get away from I'm sure you did handshake deals. How did you make sure everything was proper? If I ever did I probably did one and I just being naive, I just let it go. Mm. But after that I was like, yo, you know what? This could have been something big, but fuck it. Mm. You know, you let it go. And even if doing a handshake deal, it's like everyone I've ever did any type of deal with, it's been gentlemen where it's like they do sure, great stand, business, stand-up stand guys, yeah. you know? You know, listen, uh, right before we go to break, I want to give them one more time. Go down the history of songs. We're going to go, we're going to say, I got a story to tell uh, that you produced. Whoa. Uh, by Black Rob. I got a story to tell by Biggie. Nas, get Even like, um, let me see, Time's Up, um, Stress. Even with Stress, like French Montana and them just sampled that for, um, I forgot the name of the record. So even when you say publishing, it's like, that's a whole nother Straight thing. up songs. I just want you to go down. Um, go down the catalog. Let me see. Time's Up, Put It On, Master I See, um, AZ, Whole Happy Jackie. Mm. Pete, I'll warn you, we could be here forever if it's I could right. remember this. What about Nas? <laughs> Nas, I did um, work with Nas and G-Rap. I did Fast Life for them. I did um, You Wouldn't Understand on his previous album. Fat Joe. Um, Fat Joe, I did Live My Lifestyle, Take a Look at My Life, Still Real. Jada Kiss. Um, Pain and Torture. And what we're working now, so that's another thing. You okay, know? okay. So there's so many. I mean, listen, as, as we're going to go to a break, but when we come back, I just want you to continually spit out these uh, productions <laughs> that you've been doing. Shit, I, I would have needed to print out a discography and run through Ain't it. Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. It gives you a chance to give yourself roses and you deserve them yeah. sometimes. But but the, the best thing I tell somebody like, yo, you, if you want to know, you can always Google. If you Google, for me, if you Google me, the first thing that might come up is the TV show because for some reason I had a beautiful... Oh, that's right. Buck Wild? Yeah. The TV I, show. I've seen that. I had a beautiful Wikipedia Then one day it was all torn down. You got pushed to the bottom? No, not pushed to the bottom. See, the thing about Wikipedia, what happens is it's just it's public content. So you can go and you can edit someone else's Wikipedia. So I know someone took mine apart and took away everything. 
Mm. And then it's like I had... I believe so. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at it, the first thing that's going to come up is the one that was there first that was getting the most hits. Sure, sure. So they put it into algorithm. Right. So it's all cool. Internet, listen, we ain't never forget about Buck Wild, man, behind the scenes, making them stanky beats for for how many years? 20 plus years? Yeah. 20 plus years. Let me tell you something. I I will forever say this. In any business you're in, make sure you try to get longevity. Make sure you try to live through longevity. And that's what we have here. Internet, don't go nowhere. I want you to throw on that black rob right now. Whoa. I want you to throw on that fucking I got a story to tell. I want you to Google Buckwild, check out the discography, and Adam, what, what, what is it on Twitter? Buckwild D-I-T-C? Buckwild underscore D-I-T-C. Okay. And Instagram, and let him know. Listen, tell him what's up, man, and tell him what tracks you like. Internet, don't go nowhere. You listen to the Premium P Show. Be right back. Cheer. Yo, check this out, man. It's Prodigy from the infamous Mob Deep, the head nigga in charge, HNIC. You know what I'm saying? Repping at Queens, New York. Chilling, man, right now, man. Just kicking it, you know what I mean, with my homie, Premium Pete. And this is the Premium Pete Show. Keep it locked right here. Don't go nowhere. Real shit, one. Internet's and we're back. Sitting here with my guy, my friend, Buck Wild. What's up, Buck? You enjoying yourself, man? Oh, no doubt, man. Always a good time, Pete. Always a good man, time. Man, what, what, you know... We got to go eat, but this time we got to kind of change it up. Healthy. First of all, we'll get to that. I love that, <laughs> I love that you live in a healthy lifestyle because health is wealth, my brother. And I hate, I hate that in hip-hop, so many of us and people over these years made it, like, uncool to go see a doctor. You know, most of us did it because we didn't have fucking coverage, but at the end of the day... I hate when we say that because I was like, yo, we had no coverage, but I had a fucking $2,000 rope chain or I fucking had a beautiful fucking triple fat goose or the polo ski or the snow beach or whatever. I had a fucking uh, leather bomb, a Sherlin. We you wasn't know, educated. That's what exactly. it is. Exactly. And more, the internet helped with that. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? You know what? Even what's even more crazy is how people try to make like, 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 and Styles P said this and shouts to Styles P, my brother. He was talking about how like, yo, we need to make healthy cool. Like, why is it not? Like, why is people look at some shit? Like, if you say, like, you know how we live in a world where so yeah, somebody says, like, yo, I want to have some easy, hummus. They're like, man, get the fuck out of bougie ass. It's, it's easy to break down because it's like when you're not, with some things you're not familiar with that's foreign, it's like your ego kicks in. Mm. So if you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to have, you know, eggplant parmesan. Like, even for where I'm from, that might not, you know, and you do it in a healthy way. Then you're like, oh, you know. Oh, that's that healthy bullshit. I don't want to eat that shit. I need to taste my shit. Because it's like some people, it's like they feel in their ego they can't do it. Because it takes discipline in order for you to change your life and change your diet. Mm. And even with some of the things people don't really understand, most of it is really just in the spice and how you season your food. Mm. And any... So what would you say if you could give advice to people? Like, what should they season their food with? Whatever spices you like. The same, like, I would say, like, yo... Take one thing at a time and just replace it. Just replace. If you if you can do without chicken, replace it with something else. If you could do without beef, replace it with something else. And whatever you replace it with, if you want to eat more veggies, it's like, yo, get your favorite spices. And it's like you spice them up nice. Look for um, online. There's always, always, always recipes. You could go to go to the um, supermarket, discover new fruits, discover new vegetables, discover discover anything new that you can add to your diet. I always feel like that um, when you try to eat. Okay, this maybe this maybe like um, not wanting to take the time, but uh, sometimes I eat healthy and sometimes I don't. But I'm getting there. And yeah. like you said, it's a balance and it's a mind. You know, you got to put it in your mind. 
what are some dishes that you could suggest? Because I feel like after like, okay, I, like I feel like salmon and vegetables is good. Like it's not bloated type stuff, right? And then sometimes I'll do like a, a shrimp with vegetables. I like fish a lot. You know what I mean? That's a start. Okay. So even. What are some other dishes? Like Brussels sprouts. And what? Like that's it? Because um, I'm it hungry. De- it, it's just, see, the thing about vegetables is like, yo, the more you can eat a lot. Mm. And it's like the more that you can eat, it's like you could get full without having a lot of calories and all the other stuff. But that's why I say, like, with certain things, like if you like fries, change it up, you know, um, instead of white potatoes, get purple potatoes or mm, get yams. Mm, mm, mm. You know, you try fancy now, huh? No, nah, you try di- potatoes. Try different things. That's why I say if you go to if you when you go to supermarket, you know, you'll see different things. To me, it's like I never was a person like big on mushrooms and it's like now mushrooms is the shit. You know, avocados is the sure, shit. Sure. I know, love avocados. Things that I never really would eat, but it's like the one thing that gets us hooked is the meats that we eat, you know, and all the sugars and all the starches. Sure, sure. And I'm pretty sure you talk to Styles P, it's the same thing. He understands. That's why they be like, yo, you know, you got to juice. Clean out your body. The more sure, vegetables sure. that you eat. Plant-based. It's like, yo, it it changes it, it changes your intake, your, you know, whatever your brain wants to eat. Because it's like the brain tells us like, yo, we need these sugars. We need to get this jumping. That's why you crave it. I'm, I've known you for many years. And uh, you lost a lot of weight. Yeah, and, I had to. But, but 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 when I say lost a lot of, and I, look, you know me, I, I shoot always shoot straight. You lost a lot of weight, but you were good. I mean, like you don't look like unhealthy or or or. Do you feel it though? Have you like? No, over, I, I feel great. Feel yeah, hell yeah. It's like I I had a picture, and I put the picture on Instagram. It was me. Well, within the picture it was me, Tech, and a bunch of us. And it's like I look at the picture now, and it's like I was like, wow, I can't believe. That I was almost 230 pounds. Mm. You know, and it's like looking at it with, you know, wearing a 40, 42 true religions. Uh-uh. And I was like, yo, nah, it's like I, I done lost almost 10 sizes. Mm. And it's like I can remember sometimes being home and it's like, you know, you can't get out of bed. You want to sleep a lot. And these are the things that's like the beginning of how we die. Sure, sure. You know? Internet's health is fucking wealth. Don't let anybody tell you that. And if you say... A lot of rappers that they like this, cool. And you look like YG, I think Wiz Khalifa. A lot of these guys, they a lot of people going, I won't say just vegan, but, you know, they changing their lifestyle. True. Waka Flocka. Like, it, when you look at things, it's like you start learning as you get money. Like, yo, you know what? What's used to having money if you can't be here? Sure. You know, and it's like sure. when you when you travel, and it's like you eat different things. It's like, you're like, yo, well, this isn't that bad or this might not be that bad either. When you look back at, 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 at your career, 20 years producing, I mean, produced uh, platinum hits, you know, uh, what's some mistakes that you made that, that, that you learned from? Not that, not, that, not that you dwell on, but you learn from. Do you, do you have any? Um, the only thing I could probably say is, like, sometimes even maybe lacking confidence here and there. Mm-hmm. Like, you're around certain areas and certain people, and, like, if it's something you can't do, you know, and you might not have the confidence to do it, like even being able to play instruments. But it's like now knowing like, yo, I can't play, but I could tell them what I want to hear. Sure. And it's like I command the room and it's like this comes out the way I envision it because I'm the person in charge. What would be some advice for that uh, a producer listen to us or, or, or somebody who wants to be a producer or somebody who's a producer but kind of like, you know, early in the game? What would be some advice you would give them? Get everything around you that you need to show your vision. 
And even when you're in a, in, in a session with an artist, you have to make them do what you want to do, how you see the song to come out. Because without that, it's like the artist is looking to you for guidance, but it's the same thing in the jungle. If you can't dictate what you want, how can you expect the artist to listen? Mm. So you have to be able to be that person and be confident and let them know, like, yo, this is the hook we need to use. You need to rap like this, or you need to sing like this. You know, you need different things. Like, And I do believe that comes with people skills, though. You- it, it comes with people skills, but it's like you also have to have that confidence in yourself. Sure. Like even working, like working with Faith. Faith is. What you I, do with Faith? I love you. No, come on. So looking at these things, and uh, when I work with Faith, outside of that, it was um for seven oh two. I did a record for seven oh two. Oh really? Yeah, and she wrote the song and vocal produced it. And it's like, for me, that was learning. Working with Babyface, it's like I learned from that. So it's like now I can go in, I can cut R&B records just from what I learned from those two. Like, Faith is a great, you know, arranger, writer, you know, producer. And it's like being next to her in the studio for a week, learned a lot. Same thing with Babyface. Yo, with, with, with um, I Love You, and I mean, it's a beautiful record. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it a one-bar loop? No, I think it's four. Okay. It's four bars, but it's like it's a lot to go that we put in there. Like instruments and stuff. Okay. But um even like a lot of people don't know, that was J Lo's record. Really? Yes, it was J Lo's record. And what was she getting to call it, do you know? Um it was the same record. The okay. song like my boy McKelly wrote the record. Okay. And um writing the record, cutting the record, I think J Lo was there, she liked the record, so it's like they had her cut the record. The record was gonna be on her album. And I think when her and Puff kind of split, like, she gave all the songs back. Mm. And when she gave all the songs back, Faith heard the song and was like, yo, I'll take that. Mm. That was breakup songs. She yeah. said, She said, F Buckwild. And then Faith said, Shit, I love was a, you, it, Buckwild. It was a lot of people. It was a lot of songs. The, the whole album was Bad Boy produced damn near, I think. Mm. So mm. when you look at it, it's like, you know. It was an untimely thing, but it's like the song was still successful. I think sure. it would have been successful with J-Lo, and it was successful without. Is it true that Jesse uh, Jackson uh, owned a sample on the song you did for 50? Yeah. <laughs> I, Je- I remember you said your statement was like negative 500,000. Yeah, what something the fuck like does that. that even mean? What does that mean? That means that it's like my statement owns Jesse more than a half a mil of what I got went to him. mm so I will never see that. And it's like when you look at it, I never understood it because it's like these guys are powerful black leaders and it's like they want so much for the black community. But then it's like when you get young brothers coming up trying to do something, why would you want to override the the other person by one point? Block him. No, I'm saying. It's no, like, I'm saying oh, that he's like basically Right, that's what I'm saying. You. So when you look at it, it's like that's just like saying, young brother, you will never make a dime off this record. Mm, mm. Thank God for publishing. Mm, mm. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, why you got to do your homework in this game, man. Yeah, That's it's why like you got to do your homework. Do, like, you, let me ask I, him, do you think sampling uh, will come back around or it's too expensive? Sampling always be there. But, but I mean, some people stray away from because of how expensive they, it is. They stray away from it because, um, well, two, two reasons, I think. One, it's like it could be expensive. And it takes too long? Um, clear? Is, is no, yeah, you you can get samples clear quickly. One is like it could be expensive, and number two, 
with the resurgence with the with the surgence of all of these things like logic and fruity loops and these computer based um programs you have the whole trap um the trap bed which is the when you when you load it up and you can strip away the sounds and you put your sounds on top you can make 10 20 trap beats in a day and they all sounds the same when you go to a club it's like you got a lot of them that sound the same so if it's making money people not going to be like yo we're not going to do that cuz it's, it's it's making money they're going to be like yo you know what this is making money we could win with this we don't need that because we don't know if this works you know, and if you look at it not to cut you no, off no, yeah, yeah. j cole and kendrick they have some of the biggest selling albums mm. You're right. Majority sample. So when you you look at what you want, if you're a producer, do you want to have 50 million streams and maybe 2 million records, you know? Or do you just want to have 50 million streams and 15,000 records? Mm. Because if you sell 15,000, the money you're going to make on the streams is nothing compared to what you could have made with them sales. Sure. And with the education of people, one thing I would suggest to tell people, like, look... If you want to know what an artist is really selling, you can go to his Daily Double. There's something where it's called, it shows you how much it streams plus sales, and then it's another one with just sales, and you see who's really mm, mm. that big see, of an never, artist. See, I never knew that. You're opening the books right now. Tell people to check their fucking statements, their W-9s, their 1099s, <laughs> well, their W-2s. His Daily, double, his Daily Double is like a sound scan for people, so it'll tell you what's what. So whoever's coming out, maybe... Uh, Today, next week, you can look and you can see their numbers where people are like, look, yeah, we number one. So you got, we live in a time where you can have a number one record and sell 10,000 records and just put on a whole bunch of jewels and the fucking Supreme shirts and all of this other stuff <laughs> and look like you just made a ton of money. And you, the costume, Buck. I call it the rap costume. Because mm. when you put the costume on, it gives people the perception like you're successful. You, it's crazy that you fucking say that. Yo, let me tell you something. <laughs> we've had some, again, I said it before, we've known each other for years. It just it just sprung on me that we had a conversation a long time ago about how you were talking about how in hip-hop, producers back in the day did not get no credits. You know, they just started, you saying, well, no, not just started, but when did they start putting producers on, on the... Uh, on on the records, right? Do you remember? Yeah, like they you, they did that before, but now you were saying that it, I remember we were speaking a while ago, and you were saying something to the fact that they didn't put them somewhere. Maybe they didn't put them. Um, I don't know well, where. But. I think in in light of that, producers are always in the background. Producers cut the edge, and it's like this. I think I do remember. I think I was talking about there's a time now where it's like producers aren't getting the credit that they deserve now, and it's like they're If you look at iTunes, you can't tell who did what record. That's if, what if, I think we were talking if, about. If, if you look at iTunes, it's like, you know, I come from a time, if you buy the CD, you can look at the CD. This is how producers have fans. It's like, oh, you know, y'all produce this track. That's why all the kids now are tagging their records because they like, y'all, I need people to know what I'm doing. If you're, if you're on iTunes, you don't know who did track five and track seven and track, you know. Have, have you heard about what's uh, going on in Atlantic? Atlantic Records? Oh, about the Producers them not are claiming people? that, uh, the, you, know, they, that mm-hmm. you know, Atlantic Records ain't paying them. I mean, I don't think Atlantic pays royalties either. I mean, is that fair? It's like a well, if they I, say if they say the music business was built on crime, like the mob, et cetera, then you, I think Atlantic Records might still have those kind of ties. What about overall? Not only just Atlantic. What about overall? Do you well, feel to me, they, I, do you feel producers like look when we okay, and and, and here goes the bigger question, Ross. 
even in that song uh, where he goes against Birdman, talk about can all producers please get paid, right? Maybe Birdman. Okay, I don't no, know. No, we're not about Birdman. <laughs> I'm not trying to get in that, but I'm speaking like do producers, okay, because one thing I will say about you is that you've been around 20 years, but you evolved and you're an open-minded guy. Do producers, like, okay, before I even go into this, look at like Justice League, Rook and, and Chance. You've seen like what the hell's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Do producers get the respect they deserve, not meaning clout. Not really. Meaning, meaning Producers would never get respect why? right now. Why? Because it's like they're not putting the forefront as necessary. Because when you look at it, all right, let's just say, and I'm going to put my guy here, Just. If you got a Just Blaze beat and he has a sample, right? And Just say, let's just make a number, 100,000, right? And then you got another new guy who here who has the same sample. Most of the people who are running the industry can't tell the difference how Just made it sound good and how this other guy makes it sound. So what they'll say is like, yo, why should we give Just Blaze all of this money when we could get this guy, you know, a couple of grand? And it's like, and it's the same thing. In fact, it's not the same thing because by the time the song is mixed, it's not going to be the same. He's not going to be in the studio with the producer to make sure the song comes out that way. So when you have so many of these guys who's like the 2000 and free and the free guys, they don't care. They just want to be like, yo, I just want to be able to tell my friends I made this record. So when you have a million of those, it takes the value away from everything else because producers come a dime a dozen, like a pack of Skittles, like a pack of sunflower seeds. So I'm asking them, how do producers avoid running into situations like the one that's going on with, say, Justice League and Chance, the rapper? Make sure your business is straight. But, 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 but Justice League is, 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 I mean, first of all, not only do they have tremendous bangers. Yeah. They, you don't think that they had, and, and not that saying, we're not speaking on them like, you know, putting them down. No, nah, Rook is my had, guy. You don't I, think I they had Justice their League. shit in order? Um, I don't see no reason why it wouldn't be in order, but it's like I'm not privy to the whole story. Maybe something didn't. But maybe something situation. something wasn't right and somebody did something bad. But as far as I know, it's like I've known these guys for a minute. It's like it seemed like their business was always on top. And sometimes you can be cool with the artist and you can let some things go, trusting that things will go right. And if it doesn't, that could be what it was too. Like I don't know Chance, but I know Justice League, but I'm not going to say Chance did something bad or Rook and them did something bad. It probably was something that's supposed to be mutual because I'm pretty sure that these guys know each other than to be going online to be, you know, having a disagreement. So it's like they got to have some sort of history. Mm. So maybe something didn't transpire the way it was supposed to. That's what I can believe happened. Has uh you feel like uh, Sound Exchange helped bring new revenue to the business? It's they helped new bring new revenue, YouTube, Spotify. But the thing is not just new revenue, it's getting what you deserve. Mm. Because it's like it was never such thing as knowing how to get paid from streams. Mm. Who sets the royalty rate from a stream? Mm. Who sets the rate we should get paid when someone's um putting your song on YouTube and it's an advertisement where they probably paid them 10000 or even 100000 before that. What's our cut? What are we supposed to get from that? Who gets that money? You, you know Spotify is being sued by uh, publishing companies for using music uh, without proper clearance? You know that? Yeah. As a lot of these, they're going to, I think... But how, how were they allowed to get away with that type of shit for so long? What I believe, it goes back to the gangsterisms. Mm. <laughs> Spotify is the gangster and they pull one over on the companies and they probably told them, like, hey, we'll give you this much. And then meanwhile, when they look at it like, hey, you gave us a billion and you just made a hundred billion. Maybe we should have got more money. And that's probably what they're looking at. So now they rile up that and they probably rile up the publishers and the artists. They'd be like, yo, 
they're not paying y'all enough. Well, you set the deal in the first place. You could have regulated that from the jump. Mm. Listen, man, this is like fucking the business 101 of producing <laughs> with Buck Wild. I think it's just common sense, Pete. Like, we grow up, it's like when you don't, a lot of us grew up from nothing, no matter where you, you could be black, you could be Spanish, you could be Italian, you could be Armenian, you could be whatever you Russian. are, but it's Russian. And, you know, in New York, you know, the hoods is, is, is everywhere. Sure. So, when you don't have anything, you figure out how to make the money, sure. no matter where you at. You make you make it work. Yeah. So when you come into the music business, you're like, yo, you know what? Something ain't right. And that's what the the companies probably looked at, like, yo, you know what? These guys over here, they getting a little bit of money, so they might be riled up knowing that you know Spotify is making billions. So we need to rectify this, or else these guys are going to keep going straight to Spotify. Without the artists going to Universal and Warner and all these other places and going right to Spotify and Apple. The industry is losing money because a lot of artists are smart. Like, yo, you know what? I don't need to sign a record deal. Mm. I could collect, you know, right from that. And I think it is Chance is one of them cats who's doing it, right? Mm. Where it's like he just co- they collect right from um, the streaming services. Yep. Yep. And they figured that out. And people are looking like, oh, shit. What do we need these guys for? It's like we could make 10 times the money that what we make in by just going straight there. Listen, class is in fucking session here. But what I want to know is this. I've heard that you have some unreleased biggie cuts. Nah, where the fuck are they, bro? That's false. Where, where are you hiding them? Stop playing with me, bro. I don't have no unreleased Biggie because, dog. If it was, if I had Biggie records, I'd have gave those to his moms out the gate. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you look at it that's like, true, yo, that's that's, that's, that's true. the queen, you know, the queen. You know, that's the right Don't thing to do. Us. You know? And having unreleased records, if I had unreleased records for anyone who passed, first place they would go to is the family. Yeah, of course, of course. You're a good you know? dude, Buck, man. Let me tell you something. Uh, we spoke about being in the studio with Big. What, what what's one of the greatest moments that you ever had with him personally that you really admired? Is it just being in the studio? Is there a certain like no, I think conversation? I, even as people, I think it's always when you first um, when you first meeting someone and it's like really getting that vibe. Best moment I could probably say we all had with him was when we was working with Red Hot Love Tone and we was doing you know a song for my niggas. It was uh, it was me finesse. It was. Um, Scoop Lover, it was um, Akinelli, it was Big, it was R.A. Rugged Man. It was a lot of people who were just starting out, M.O.P., um, Organized Confusion. It was a lot of people who were just starting out and some who was a little ahead. But it's like even in in those three days of having the sessions, it's like, yo, we had to have the most fun that session, just, you know, cracking jokes and it's like doing certain shit. It's like, you know, the early times. Mm -hmm. Nothing better than that. Now, uh, was, was Big Eaton in the studio? Was Big Eaton? Yeah. This is this is when Biggie, before he had really had party and bullshit. This is the time probably in the movie when he's like, yo, you know what? I need to get this paper. Okay. When he's so, getting, like, let me get serious with this shit. He's like, he's always serious, but it's like, yo, no, you know. No, but like really serious. Yeah, I know, I know which part you're talking about. Yeah. You know, um, man, you, you sat in the studio and created some of the most amazing, you know, records with, with legends. What about Nas? How is that being in the studio with Nas? The same way. That's I've always told people. Advice I always give is like, look, to me, the greatest sessions I always had and the people who listen to most, the who, who listen to ideas the most, are the ones who are like the greatest. And mm-hmm. like Nas, even doing Fast Life, being in Bizville, he allowed himself to be produced. And you can tell that because that probably came from Large Professor and Q-Tip and the rest of them. So they respect guys who can come in and produce and command the room and tell them what they're doing wrong and show a different vision. 
But nowadays, it's like they probably won't respect producers as much because it's not many people who will come in the studio and be like, Nas, I don't think this line is, you're saying it's correct. Sure, sure. I think you could cut these bars out. Or it's like, you could, like you're, yo. you're, you're a little too wordy here. Sure, let's sure. fall back into the beat. Let's let's ride between the, the hi-hat sure, and the sure. snare. You know, it's different now. It's, and no one knows that lingo anyway because it's like... Do you think of, now they're more worried about, well, yo, let's get this pick? Let's get this Instagram pick? Yeah. They worried about like, yo, I'm in the studio with Nas. Yo, it's lit. Working. Yo, you know. We witty, Nas. I'm here with my nigga Nas. I'm here with my with my dude Game. I'm here in the studio with 50. People worry about that more than worry about how hot they record can be. You know you know what social media is? I mean, And I love it. You know, Drake Drake actually said something. Man, I got, I got to check this out because Drake said something the other day that I totally agreed with. And uh, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna give it to you right now. He wrote, he was writing to uh, uh, um, what's this guy? I never say his name right. Uh, Takashi Murakami. Yeah. You know, he was writing about. He wrote. Uh, he wrote. Um, Social media can be a life-swallowing, ego-driven, destructive tool, but it's also led me to make some amazing connections and have casual conversations with people I truly admire. And I will say this: as much as he's right. He's right about the whole thing. You, it's amazing how many people I've been able to connect with. And, and even like yourself, and think about the relationships you've been able to build. Yeah. And, it, and, I met so many people over the networks where it's like famous and not famous and have great relationships with them. It's like incredible people. And it's all because of, like you say, it's like being able to interact with people that you never probably would have interacted with before. Sure, sure. Or, never, shorter, or, or never shared a common bond. Let me ask you, have you been at a point in life because, and this is what I mean, social media um, is real life, but sometimes when life isn't that real sometimes, you know, but people, but it looks better than it is. You ever been to a point where you like produce big records, but you haven't made the full money yet? And it's like your success hasn't caught up to your bank account (laughs) and you ever get discouraged? You ever feel like that? Nah, I always, I learned from my lawyer. My lawyer always taught me from the gate. And the first thing he told me is like, yo, Number one rule of doing good business: never be scared to walk away from a check. Mm. If it ain't right, just Explain walk that. away. Meaning, like, yo, if you feel you're not getting what you're going to get, what you just do, just walk away. Mm. And it's like I've had those times where it's like I did it. Um, when we did Faith Record, it's like I remember um, they were trying to stick the sample on me, and I was like, no. They was like, well, Puff said, you know, that sample is on you. I was like, okay, I'm not clear. I'm not signing the contracts. In the Puff. So they were trying to get over on you thing? Yeah, it wasn't Puff. It was the people under. Sure, I know what you mean. I'm not saying him personally. So, I remember... And, and, and uh, if you didn't fucking... If you didn't know better, you would have been okey-doked. Yeah, some people would do it. I'll fight to the wire and be like, all right, it just won't make the album. You know, mm-hmm. and that Sunday before... The albums used to come out on Tuesday. That Sunday... Puff called me and was like, yo, what's the problem? And I explained the problem. He was like, all right, yo, we'll have it corrected tomorrow. I need you to take care of this tomorrow so it can come out Tuesday. Paperwork was at my lawyer office that Monday with all the changes the way it was supposed to be. I signed the paperwork, and everything happened where it's supposed to be. Mm. Now, um, without counting your money, you, you've been able to live your life and create and be an artist. Besides a producer, you're an artist because you've created Right, would that's what that? producers are. Okay, from your dreams, would you say you've been able to make millions? Mm, I could say that. I mm. think everyone who has, if you have one platinum record, you could say you can make a mill from that. 
and if you and if you don't, then something's the wrong. The reason why I it. say that for a buck is because people love to hear the glory of shit. And there's nothing more glorifying than you sitting here and saying that you sold your beats for like two hundred and fifty bucks or fifteen hundred bucks. I've done free no, beats no, no. before. No, I'm like, saying like look at I know what you're saying with that, but to me, I think the one part of music is being humbling. It's like it's not always about trying to get the big check. It's a matter of making sure that you could get on the right album. Like when Pun did Capital Punishment, right? What songs you have on there? It didn't make that. I'm gonna get to the whole story. This is a crazy story. Okay. Um, I remember with Show Birthday, Pun came through. Like, yo, man, you don't love me. You don't give me no beats. Played him a couple of beats. Yeah, I love this shit. And he rapping to it. And this is Dream Shatterer. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the version that didn't make the album. And he's like, okay, cool. He's like, damn, man, you would have gave me this shit out of. I'd have definitely made the album. So I said, yo, fuck it. Let's put it on the album still. He's like, yeah, I ain't got no budget. I use my budget. I said, yo, fuck it. Take it for free. Let's just go cut the record. He's like, for free? It's like, yeah. And he used that as a he used that as a point to get other beats from other people. He was like, yo, if you want to make the album, it's like, yo, Buck just gave me a beat for free. Oh my God, he put me on blast. He ain't get, I didn't really care because like Pun one Pun is family number two. I wanted to be on that album. Sure. Pun was an incredible artist, and it's like, and I don't know how I just let the time fly without, you know, really giving them beats. And um we went in, we cut the record, and um it got hip-hop quotable. Riggs gave a hip-hop quotable because he felt it was an incredible record. The beat was incredible, and the raps were incredible. And um, Sample couldn't get cleared. Me, um, let's say Pun had the same sample for Dream Shatterer. Um, Nori had, I think it was Thugs R Us. I think that was the name of his record with the same sample. And Black Rob had I Dare You. Mm. Only song that got cleared is Black Rob. I dare you. <laughs> so when you look at it, there was always a, sp- a suspicion that, and you know this can happen too, that Puff cleared the sample and no one can use the sample six months before or six months after this mm. record comes Is out. This Puff rules. Anybody can make those rules, but nobody knew to set it. Like Jay-Z, the only person I know to do that, I'd be like, all right, yo, I'll do this feature um, and I won't do a record six months before or six months after, but you got to give me everything I want. Mm. So you look at it, you can command those things if you're paying the right amount of money. And I guess in the process, my record and Nori record got caught up in the wind. And those was two incredible records, too. Not saying it was I Dare You. I I felt I Dare You was monumental. But the record made some noise, and it's like, you know, it was one of them joints. It was free. Mm. So it wasn't like, okay, cool, I need yo, I, I, I need this. Nah, you know, fuck it, take it. It is what it is, you know? What would you... Um... What would you say? Who are some of your uh, favorite uh, young producers out there now? Now, ooh, it's Kid Avenue, V Don Beats. Um, I like to do vinyls. Well, you can't say vinyls and, Bo- and Boy Wonder and Forty and them because they've been in the game for a minute now. Sure, sure. But shit, it's hard to really pinpoint sometimes because it's like you don't know a lot until. When you hear afters, you're like, oh, you made that. It's the same thing because a lot of these guys aren't getting their credit, mm. you know? But to me, those are two that kind of stick out. And the kid, Avenue, you know, a lot of people don't know, but he's the, he's got a lot of hits on his belt, too. Mm. If you weren't a producer, what do you think you would have been? Scientist. Get the fuck out of here, really? Yeah, I was one of them dudes. It's like when I came up. Fucking the lab? Oh, you always been and, in the lab. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, 
to me, I made it. You remember you had to take the test for high schools? Mm-hmm. Every science school I made it to. Really? Yeah. But it just wasn't fun? Is it something that didn't excite you? Or? I wanted to go hang out in school with my cousin. Sure. So I went to New York School of Printing, High School Graphic Arts, Sean Price Tech, and all these other cats yep, yep, there. Yep. So when you look Shout at it, the homies. Um, if I went the right way, I wouldn't be here. I'd probably be on some whole other shit. But it's like that was my thing in school. I had love science. God damn, but let me ask you something. <laughs> you grew up in the Bronx, like you were saying. You grew up both with mom and dad. Just, just mom. Just my mom. And you know, it's is me dad. Yeah, I know my dad. Good you know, dude. Great dude. You know, I am. You know, I can't say yo. He's always there, but you know. He was great. He did everything he could. It's like, you know, I can't be a person to bash. I hear so many horror stories about, oh, my dad, this, my dad, that. But you never know. If your dad's not there growing up, you never know what him and your mom went through. So I can't be the person to be biased about something. I just know when I needed him, he was there for me and he was good to me. Mm. So that's Shout great right pops. there. What about moms? What did moms do? Oh, uh, She did everything, everything she could, mm. you know. Queen. And, and looking at that, like, it's a latchkey. A lot of us, our moms work one, two jobs, whatever it was, and it's like we grew up in the in the hood. Some dudes were playing ball. Some dudes were doing music. Some dudes were selling drugs. You know, the community was the community, and it's like it's different now because it's like the OGs is the ones who grew us up, and it's like, yo, you know what? If you did something wrong, they might smack you in the head, sure, kick you in sure, the ass, sure. and send you home to your moms. And it's like you might get in the ass whipping again. Or might even tell your moms, like, yo, you, yeah, they'll tell you, and they'll tell why. Here, yeah, and yeah. it's like this is the difference between then and now. Our neighborhoods, they stuck together more. And it's like now, it's like we got this disconnection between the OGs and the young dudes, and we got to kind of fix that. And it's like it's that way even with music. Mm. If you hear all the old dudes, all oh, this shit they doing is some fucking crazy shit. The music is the drug is is what they do into the drug of choice. If they popping pills and shit like that, then um, this is the music they do it to. Back then, our shit was you know dudes are smoking blunts and drinking, and that's where you get Snoop and all this other shit. Because if you look at it, they had Sainz, they had Hennessy, Tankeray, you know, um, talking about Chronic. That was our time, but they're not talking. They're not. They're not talking about that. So it's like you got to understand, like, yo, this is their time. You, to, you live your time. You know, if you want to relive I, your days, you know, go back. <laughs> I, listen, I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you. And I just think, to be honest with you, of course, many people respect hip-hop. But hip-hop, if it doesn't evolve, it will not last forever. Well. And, 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 and here's the thing, too. In, this, in, in life, there's so many choices. Mm-hmm. If you don't like something, Turn. don't fucking listen to it. <laughs> But yo, that's honestly, been my thing. think about it, man. I tell people, like, yo, yo, what you think about this? Because they look and they be like, yeah, you did these hip-hop. And it's like, yo, what do you think of this? I be like, yo, I heard it, but it's not for me. Mm. I'm mm. not going to shit on another person's craft and be like, nah, this shit is whack. This shit is kooky or whatever. Nah, it ain't for me. If it ain't for me, if I can't vibe to it, then that's just what it is. Well, let me tell you something about, man. Your, your, your journey has been nothing short or long of, a, of of being amazing. I mean, you worked Life with, is good. You worked with so many <laughs> fucking artists. And and honestly, too, you know, one thing it couldn't happen to a better dude. You know, uh like even 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 like, you know, I know you for many years, man, and and our purity, your purity uh has never changed, man. And I and I always like the way I've told people and I've know you told people in front of me or even behind my back 
of uh, that I'm a real good dude. You know what I mean? And 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 I said the same for you. So I appreciate that because it's not every day that people could, uh, you know, that people could hear that. You well, know, it's just the people. truth. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if someone asks you, "Yo, you know such and such," and if someone who respects you, they expecting you to tell the truth. So it's like, you know, I remember this lady from who used to work at Atlantic. She told me she was like, "Yo." Um, your reputation of who you are, when you're not there, that's when it shines the most because it's like it shows who you are. So if if you're a bad person, they're gonna be like, oh, you know, he's a creep. But if you're a great person and you're doing great things, you don't even have to ask. Sometimes people always speak about it. And it's like even for you, you know, when your name comes up, it comes up in good lights. Mm. So it's nothing to say but good things, and it's like. That's what the world should be about, but it's like, unfortunately, it's a lot of people. Probably a lot of people who are creeps, but it's like I think a lot of good people, they start to form their own, in you know, chain of energy around. It's like that's how a lot of us are meeting each other. That's how we all vibe. Ain't nobody perfect. We all ain't perfect human beings, but I believe you know we look for the same thing and paying it forward and and doing good things. It's like and it always comes back tenfold. Sure, man. It's always been love, you know. Um you know, even back in the day when we just started the Combat Jack Show, 2010, brought you up at the PNC Radio, man. Rest in peace to our brother, Combat Jack. And that's um, where it was at, right? PNC or was Radio it in Brooklyn? Or yeah. wasn't? Did he have his office in there? No, no. We that's where we had the studio. Right, I know, but it was another time we went. He had something in his office, I think. Uh, but anyway, I know, I know, meeting Jack, and I was like, I remember that then. You know, and it's like, even then, it's like with the Combat Jack Show early, having one of the first. The first episodes on there. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And Early that's on. what I mean by it. it's like you like, yo, I need you to come through. I need you to meet my man. And it's like people don't do that nowadays. Where it's like they want to connect you with other people who are good people. Yeah. Like what happened to that? You know, that's the thing sometimes I think about. Whatever happened to be like, yo, you you cool. Yo, you need to meet my homie. You need to meet this person. Y'all could do some great things together. I think those things are gone because like I say, it's the let me get my feet wet syndrome. Yeah. When you want to get your feet wet, you want to be the person who masterminds and controls everything. But meanwhile, the person who puts everything together, that's the person they're looking for. They're looking for, you know, the person who introduces. You know, Buck, I always say this. They want to see you doing good. They just don't want to see you doing better, better than, than them. them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, when you live by that syndrome, you may think it's the right way, but it's not. And I'm going to tell you why. In order to be successful, in my opinion... You got to be willing to help others also. Because That's the 48 laws of power. Yeah. The other thing they think about the... That'll go, it... that'll go over some people's heads to think that they have to help other people. Let me tell you something, and I mean this. What is success to you? Success may be money. Success may be a car, a watch. But success isn't the same to everybody else. So don't judge anybody else's success. But one thing I will say is... If you 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 got to be willing to see somebody else maybe get successful before you to even understand what success is. Like you see how people like say like uh, you know they want to see you doing better than them. There's people who've come up uh, before me. I was like, damn man, like I thought maybe I would. Uh, no, don't question that shit. Realize to continue to work and continue mm-hmm. to push, and your time will come. Don't worry about another else, you know, another person's, you know, because that's the thing. People don't realize they see it, but they don't know what's really going on or how they got there or who they know. That's truth. But, you know, it's, listen, listen. Anyway, listen, but what do you got coming up? You got anything coming up? Yeah, but I, I don't really want to say right now, but I got a few projects. They Most of them going to be indie. 
but it's going to be real good. I'm just looking to try to. I don't want. I don't like that. Yo, you know, you got to save hip hop thing. I just think right now you got a lot of young dudes who doing their thing, and then you got some dudes who are super duper lyrical. But we don't have any music in the middle that's fun, and like also where it's like you know, how can I say, um, with something you can learn from. We need we need to kind of push these barriers together where it's like we could build these bridges and make everything great again because it's like if you're not young turning up and it's like if you're not an OG dude where it's like you're super lyrical, yo, there's no place for anybody else. Sure. You know? Create, create, man, people create their own fucking blueprint, man. Create their own blueprint. You got to. It's We only here to inspire. Sure. So I'm looking at it like this, man. It's like if what I'm doing even with these few indie albums that I'll put out, if it's not, if it doesn't shoot to the moon, but if it inspires someone else to be like, yo, you know what? I do want to be that lyrical dude that could be great like Kendrick and can also sell records and touch other people and do different things and use my power and who I am and open up doors. It's all inspiration. Like, yo, when you do something, you you don't know who you're going to inspire. True. Internet's at buckwild underscore D-I-T-C. Again, that's buckwild underscore D-I-T-C on Twitter, on Instagram, Adam, thank him for the jewels that he gave you this episode. Or just fucking send him a DM or, or tweet him and, and, and ask him a question. Don't be trying to get no beats for fucking $50. That won't fucking happen. You understand? Okay, he got kids to fucking, he got kids to fucking take care of. He got child support to fucking pay. He got nah, sneakers. we don't do that shit. No more child support. <laughs> he got fucking sneakers to buy. He got food, fucking plant-based fucking Brussels sprouts and purple potatoes to buy. <laughs> Internet's respect, Buck Wild, man. And Anyway, listen, but not only do I appreciate your friendship over the years, um, always being there for me, but real talk, um, I really appreciate your contributions to the game. Appreciate so that, many because behind the scenes, people people always look for someone to shine, man. They're, they're, that's why they made diamonds in the rough. You know what I mean? That's why they made them. Internet's listen. <laughs> um, if you're a producer on the come up, if you're a producer that's been around doing your thing, it's important to listen to people and listen to episodes like this and learn something from. Them. And you know what? If you learned it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Don't hold that shit with you. Give Share it to that somebody. knowledge. Share listen, knowledge is power, man. Yeah, and, and it's free. And, and ginger is ginger in your fucking in your juice is is, is the key. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna have, have to come up here with styles and then have a, a healthy episode. Are we gonna do that? <laughs> Buck blessings, my brother. No doubt. Internet, Buck Wow. See you next episode. Cheer. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at the premium at gmail.com. Again, that email is thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on The Premium Peach Show? Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com and let's get working, okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms or podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend and we'll see you next episode. Cheers.